Let's dump this truck. Back it up, back it up. Let's dump this truck. Hello, and welcome to Bad Romance. I'm Jordan Searles. And I'm Bronwyn Isaac. And this week we are finally finishing the trilogy that everyone has been talking about. One of the most popular trilogies on Netflix, apparently. It's The Kissing Booth. We're finishing up with The Kissing Booth 3. Yes, The Kissing Booth 3. And while some might think the number three refers to this being the third of three movies, but it really refers to it being the number of brain cells I have left. (laughs) I have three. There are three of them. They are dangling by a string. They are swimming like tadpoles to the bottom of the sludge of my brain. And this movie has accelerated that process of my dwindling mental capacity. Yeah, I truly (laughs) don't. This is a situation where it's just basically a continuation of the second movie. Like, we we said what we did about the second movie. Like, it sucks. But at least it presents new issues. The third movie is just revisiting the same issues from the second movie. And that movie was already two hours, dude. Like, what, what more do we need? Like, this is crazy. This is genuinely crazy. I felt crazy watching this. I, I did, too, because I agree with you. As... <laughs> As I very loquaciously expressed in our last episode, I did not like the second one. I found it to be long-winded and annoying and boring. However, it at least introduced new plot points to go over, to mull over. There were emotions we were introduced to for the characters to process with them. And like you said, this one is just those same ones that were already resolved and Funnily enough, the few plot points that I didn't feel were truly resolved in the second one weren't really resolved in this one either, which I'll get to. And mainly Marco. (laughs) Marco! 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 I've never seen a more useless corner of a triangle in a movie. It's, It's nuts. Like, once again, Lee, who I repeat, does not want to fuck Elle, Lee makes more sense as a corner of the love triangle between Noah and Elle than Marco does. Marco is like some like distant fourth corner. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. He really is. It's like Marco is just like, I feel bad because I really do think this actor is doing the most he can with the material. So it's nothing against him. I'm sure he's listening to the podcast <laughs> and he's like, Bronwyn, thank you so much. But it's nothing against him, but I do feel like they just treat him like a romantic decoration. You know, like he is just, oh, look, there is a hot guy here who might still want to be with her. And we're not actually going to give him any more character development. We're not going to show anything really about his life outside of her. We're not even going to have them interact in meaningful ways. We're just going to have him there on the side and randomly just show you him. And it doesn't do any justice to him. It doesn't add any juice. Like, even if you're going to make him be just a romantic temptation, you could make him be a fun one. You could make him be one that has, like, stakes. But he doesn't have any more stakes in this movie. At least in the second movie, they kiss And we're like, oh shit, is something going to happen? And then the movie's like, no. In this one, he's just there. 
he's just there and, and it makes Noah's anger about him being present all the more strange because he literally doesn't do anything. Like the the main thing that he does is show up for something that they didn't expect him to show up for. And even that was a go-kart race. You can't kiss while riding go-karts. I don't understand. Yeah, <laughs> and there were and it was like a whole like, oh, we're all dressing up as Mario characters, you know, like we're doing go-kart, like Mario Go-Kart. It was very much not a sexy, like, one-on-one thing. It was a group dressing up in costumes so that they could do things that are on the bucket list, which it's not really a bucket list, but, you know, whatever. The the summer bucket list that they have, that Elle and, and Lee have before they go off to college and they're in separate states. Yeah, yeah. This... The main conflict of this movie is, well, I guess there are a couple, but really the main conflict is where is Elle going to go to college? Now, for some reason, she has gone through her entire high school career without thinking about what she wants to do with her life, what colleges interest her, or really anything. But I guess it's very hard to be a guy's girl. It's very hard... It takes so much effort. You have to always be keeping an eye on your boys. Like, there's just no time for anything else. Well, like, here's the thing, Jordan. Other other girls wouldn't get it, you know? Like, <laughs> other girls don't get what it's like to try to keep your male BFF happy and your hot boyfriend who has an empty husk of a brain and soul um, happy and, you know, flirt with guys and then get mad at them for not even being creepy, just being, like, nice back. <laughs> like, <laughs> I sound like a men's rights activist, but, like, I don't know. I, I just, she, like, what is happening? <laughs> she, I mean, like, Elle just, like, doesn't give a shit about other women so much. Like, it, I mean, it's a problem. But she also doesn't give a shit about herself, so I almost feel like there's some internalized misogyny going on. Because, like, she's trying to decide between going to Berkeley with Lee and going to Harvard with Noah. And she feels this guilt at the idea of dis- like going to college as a form of like disappointing either one of them. And it's so crazy. You're the one that is going to college. And yeah. like, there's a part very late in the movie where Molly Ringwald is like, hey, what do you want to do? And it was, it's the first time that somebody's asked her and it's the first time that she's even considered it. Like she just thought, oh, I'm just going to pick a school and then I'll just figure out what to major, major in from there. It's like, that's not how it works, love. Like some majors aren't at certain schools. Like some programs are better than others. What are you talking about? Also, yeah. Like when, when Molly Ringwald said that, I was like, fucking finally. Cause I, cause here's the thing. Not knowing what you want to do with your life at 18 is completely normal. If you're listening to this and you're 18 and you don't know what you want to do with your life, that's fine. Hell, I'm 31 and I still don't know sometimes. So, you know, like whatever, life changes. You can have a lot of different careers. You can have a lot of different things you do. But it does not make sense to me that Elle is a, she's obviously somehow a good enough student to get into these really esteemed, you know, fucking Ivy League schools, like these hard to get into schools. So she's applied herself enough for that, but somehow she hasn't even thought about a major. 
You know, like, I I don't understand. Like, if she was taking a gap year, or even if she was like, you know, I want to get a few years under my belt and then and then try for one of these schools. Sure. But if she's so elitist that she only applies to these schools, you better bet your ass she at least thinks she knows what she wants to do. You know, like she at least has picked a major, a placeholder, something. It's such a major disconnect. And it's not something I normally care that much to nitpick because I do think, you know, I mean, I don't think it's super interesting anyways, but I also think it is normal for college students to not know what they want to do. But when this is the whole conflict is where she's going to go to school and we don't hear once what major she wants, like, what the fuck? What are we supposed to follow? And how are we supposed to believe that she actually got into these schools on any kind of merit? Right. Because she's supposed to be the one that's not rich. If she was super rich, I'd be like, okay, she got bought in, you know, but she's supposed to be the one that's just really smart. Okay. And like, I'm not saying, you know, you can be smart and have an active social life. But the fact that like this chick, this chick never is never alone, (laughs) is never alone. Like when, when does she study? Like, I feel like such a weirdo, but it's like, just, just give me a second, something, even like we see like a scene of like Noah in a library or something like, yeah. I guess because he's in college, like, and I don't know, maybe it's just because the school is just, their school is just kind of a joke and they just run wild everywhere. I I mean, it's crazy. A little subset of her dilemma is that the summer house that she um like spent so much time in with Noah and Lee growing up is is about to be sold. Molly Ringwald is going to sell it because, you know, property price something property going up people are tearing them down probably gonna build condos or something gentrification and and like later on you find out that like she's turning down millions of dollars by keeping that summer home and it's like wow uh what a problem to have (laughs) like it's so hard to care about any of these problems because it's like okay i'm sorry i get that l is young and in her mind she's just like scared of the future and that's fine but the problem is, which awesome school do I go to? Do I hang out with my hot boyfriend or my really loyal friend? <laughs> and then the the adult problem is, do we make money or do we keep an awesome beach house? <laughs> it's just, it's, you a, know, it's amazing. Like, it would be one thing if, like, maybe Molly Ringwald was, in, and this is just me, you know, being a writer trying to make connections. If Molly Ringwald was like, well, if I sell the summer house, then I can help Elle pay for school. But no, that's crazy. We're just not talking about whether or not she can pay for school anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and like, okay, so the only conflict in this movie that I found really, like, interesting, and of course it was the one that got the least screen time, was between Elle and her dad. So Elle, as we all know, has a dead mom, because that is obviously, you must have a dead mom to have pathos if a movie doesn't want to write in the pathos. You don't really know much about the mom, but we know that she does not exist anymore on this mortal plane, and that is really sad. Elle's dad has spent the last few years grieving 
And, you know, he's trying to raise Elle. He's trying to raise her younger brother, whose name I always forget, but is much more of a presence in this movie. Isn't his name Max? You know, that's a great guess. I, <laughs> I'm i like, I've been in, like, in order for, for me to... For the listeners, I have been looking for his character name. So apparently the movie doesn't care enough either to have it very accessible. Anyway. Why even have her have a brother if we're... And he's in all three of these movies, and yet, it's like, his name is Brad. Yes. Yeah, his name's Brad. Okay, that completely makes sense. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That tracks. Yeah, so Brad, you know, the, the dad has spent all this time just trying to, like, be a good dad and mourn and everything, and now he's finally going on dates with this nice woman named Linda, And he tells Elle, and, you know, I mean, this is understandable. She feels weird at first, and she's kind of dismissive. She doesn't really ask her dad any questions. She's not like, oh, cool, tell me about her. And it's very clear that she does not want to accept that her dad is going on dates. And her dad is, like, very casual, but also sensitive when he brings it up. Like, he's not bringing it up to Elle in a, like, I'm serious immediately. You need to be on board. He's also not like, yeah, I'm out here fucking. He's just kind of like, yeah, there's a woman that I like. And Elle does not give a fuck. Like, she does not give a fuck about her dad's feelings because it brings up all her grief that she hasn't been tending to. I found this to be the most interesting part of this movie, even though it's very much a C plot, because mm. it, it there's actual stakes here, you know? it It's like... Her relationship with her dad, is she able to get out of her own head enough to realize that her dad is a person who also needs love and companionship? And then also her grief, which she's been pushing down while she stays busy with everything. But I, the movie only gives this plot like five, ten minutes total. What did you think about this plot? I, you know, I agree that the plot is interesting. I mean, here's where, you know, once again, it's like the conflict between the fact that this is this so much of this feels like a Disney movie, but it's not because these are all sexually active teenagers and young adults. And so when she's like, you're never going to replace my mom to this woman who is really probably just trying to get laid and relax. It's so crazy because it's like, you're not even going to be here most of the time anymore. You're going to school. So why are you so concerned with what he's doing when you're not here? Like, <laughs> yeah. like it would make more sense if she was just like, well, I can't wait to get out of here because you're replacing my, like that, at least that, that would make sense. Like, it's like, I can't wait to leave. And maybe it would make her want to like, go, go to Boston, like more because it would be so much further away because she's so mad at her dad. But it's like, no, there's no, the the problem with these movies is that there are so many easy ways to connect Elle's anxieties to the actual events of the film and they just don't do it. Everything has to be either like loud or resolved neatly and there's nothing, there's no like connective tissue, which I think is what makes the movies longer because they don't, because they're not cohesive. So it's just like all of these like adventures, like you're watching a show on like two times speed or something. That's such a good point about the connective tissue. I think you really hit on something there because you're right. Rather than having the different plots be layered and overlapping which is how real life works and how a lot of good storytelling works it's like little chunks it's like a tetris game almost with these little plots and so they don't feel connected 
and it doesn't make the emotions involved with the plots feel as deep as they could or as fully realized because everything's cut up and collaged instead of woven together. <laughs> I don't know how else to put it. Because I think you're totally right. Like if she, if she talked, because there's a scene where she talks to Chloe, who is in this movie as well. If she talked to Chloe or other characters more about her dad dating Linda, then it could be one of the key players in her deciding whether she's going to go off to Harvard or go to Berkeley. But it really is an aside. And her dad and her brother are truly asides. I mean, we get so much of the Flynn's and not just the Flynn boys. We get the Flynn parents. Like, I feel like I know the Flynn's extended family even, and I barely know who Elle's dad is. And so it also seems strange for the movie to be like, oh, now we're going to go talk about slash show Elle's relationship with her dad as it pertains to her sadness about her mom being, being, you know, having passed away. And it's also just like, She has Molly Ringwald to the point where, like, so much of, like, the conflict of this movie is related to this beach house that shares memories of, yes, her with Lee and Noah, but also their family in general. So it's just weird to me to act like there's just no one. Yeah. Like, no woman. It's like, she's right here. And you consider, and you, like, treat her more like family than you do your own family. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And, yeah, and I feel, I mean, of course, I feel bad for Linda. So, of course, the Linda character is her dad's, it's like an old family friend. It. She's not somebody that Elle knew, but she is someone who knew Elle's mom. And that's part of the conflict is Linda tries to be friendly and is like, your mom meant a lot to me. And I think Linda's doing that because she wants to let Elle know, I know you, I know you have a mom. And just because she's not alive doesn't mean she's not your mom anymore. And I'm not trying to do that. You know, that's what she's trying to communicate is just like, I have respect for that. I am not trying to do that. I am, I don't want to step in. I am just, I like your dad. (laughs) Um, But, and and Elle, that just makes it worse for Elle because like, having her mom mentioned just like triggers more of her, her sadness and her fear. But I, I mean, it it ends up resolving. I'm sorry for those who are really angry about spoilers for kissing booth three, (laughs) you know, that, that plot ends up resolving when, you know, Elle and Linda basically have a talk after Elle has snapped and she like snaps at her dad and she snaps at Linda at like a dinner and is just like, you're not my mom and you'll never be my mom. And then her dad gets really upset and is like, Hey, like, I need love too. Like, I have spent years being sad and I'm just trying to enjoy my life. And then Elle, like, feels like shit because she's like, oh shit, yeah, my dad does yeah. need love. <laughs> like, my dad like, is oh, a person. <laughs> like, shit, like, like, this is like one of the legit most selfish characters I've ever seen in a movie. Like, the amount of, like, hand holding that she needs. To remember that other people exist and have needs is, like, out of control. I really, it's really, like, it it borders on, like, disturbing for me. Like, by the end, I was hating her. Well, for me, too, because, like, you don't have to be a genius at emotional intelligence to understand that your dad has feelings. (laughs) Like, you know, this is not a matter of, wow, Elle isn't, she doesn't have high EQ. This is, like, basic stuff. Young children think about how their parents feel all the time so the fact that she is about to go again we're supposed to believe like she's just so thoughtful and everything she's about to go to college and she can't connect that 
wow, I'm really sad about my mom. I bet it's even harder for my dad in certain ways. And it's really good that he's able to find some joy. Instead, it's just so reactive. And I mean, I guess she's just like a self-involved character. You know, like she's just consumed. But because the movie is fucking two hours long and it doesn't give us a deep well this one is this one is actually less than two hours it's an hour and 52 minutes (laughs) (laughs) oh (laughs) okay yeah i you know if it's over an hour and 50 minutes i just round up to two (laughs) i i'm i'm gonna quote our good friend zora here and say that this is a wattpad movie in in this entire series is very wattpad in the sense that like like people say you know there is I don't want the fan fiction heads to be upset with me. I know that there is value in fan fiction. I, you know, I started writing with fan fiction. I get it. The difference though, is that like, there's a difference between the self gratification of reading a fan fiction as a teenage girl and wanting things that you cannot have and how like satisfying that is to translate that to something that everyone is watching and something where you actually have to visually see this behavior. You have to be able to scale back on the wish fulfillment and instant gratification because it just looks weird. It looks weird like to see it on screen. Like I swear, like if I had read this like on like a forum or something, I, I don't know if I would have all of these same critiques because like it's a, it's a different experience that you're having. But this, we're just watching this girl who is clearly supposed to be every girl. She's supposed to be you. And it's just like, oh my God, I have this attractive boyfriend and oh my God, I have this attractive best friend and oh my God, there's this other guy who's also attractive and like Molly Ringwald is like my surrogate mom and everybody likes me all the time and I'm so busy and it's just like, this is this is what a teenage girl wants. Yeah, <laughs> oh, for sure. Cause again, like- <laughs> I mean, I I was very brutal in our last episode. Hashtag no regrets. I would back up some of what I said is this movie is too nice to all of the characters. And I know, I know the genre. You know, we we cover rom-coms and we've covered a lot of teen movies. I'm not looking for trauma. That's not what I'm asking for. I'm just asking for stakes. You know, like I don't need the characters to be like, going through hell I just there needs to be a stake that's not picking between two amazing colleges you know there there needs Elle needs to learn by having someone actually mad at her for longer than five minutes because that's real life you know that's something we've all been through like regardless like everyone has pissed someone off at some point you know and and so I, I feel like even when people get mad at her like they just they're she's fine so quickly yeah it's like they're mad but it but it, it's so it just kind of like treat her like a little princess where it's like you can only really be mad at the princess for a certain amount of time because order there has to be order in the kingdom like you can't (laughs) you can't just like stay mad oh for sure (laughs) absolutely and I just I mean it ties everything up with a bow I think you're totally right I think you know shout out to Zora it is totally a Wattpad movie because everything is tied up with a bow and yet nothing feels like deep enough to even need a bow (laughs) like I like I 
because I kept thinking, well, what if I was 10 years younger, you know, but no, it's, it's not that it's just, there's not stakes. And that's condescending to people in high school. Honestly, I think like, I mean, Marco, you know, Marco is in this movie working as a lifeguard, right? And of course, one of the plots, as mentioned, is that the Flynn's have this awesome beach house. And then the parents reveal that they're going to sell it so they can get a bunch of money. And the you know, the teens are all like, no, we have so many memories. Oh my God. And so they convince the parents to let them stay at the beach house and basically like live there and maintain it while it's going to get shown to get sold again, lowest stakes ever, you know, but while they're there, of course, you know, we run into Marco and he's working at this like water park that also has yeah, go-kart and he's stuff. The, he's the lifeguard. Yeah. So also just like, that's the other reason why when Noah got upset, I was like, he works here. Like, who are you? It's yeah, like, it's not like he's just showing up randomly. And then because Lee is mad, he's still... Also, Lee is such a fucking baby. Lee is still mad at Elle for applying to Harvard. It's like, I'm I'm sorry. Why are you mad? That's the other thing. Why are you mad that she applied somewhere? You can apply to as many colleges as you want. Or is this like I felt like I was going crazy? Yeah, and it's like, you know, she's like if if one of my friends made a potential plan with me and then they're like, actually sorry, I'm going to Harvard, I'd be like, Yeah, you dumbass. <laughs> like go to Harvard, like whatever, I'll be fine. Yeah. Like I just, so he's really mad that she's going to quote desert him, even though at the beginning of this movie, he's still dating Rachel because, you know, they patch things up at the end of the second movie. And so they create this bucket list, which is just kind of an extension of their list of rules. It's like now they have their rules and they have their bucket list. So we have two things that make their friendship annoying. <laughs> we have all of... Oh my God, this this bucket list. And it's just a collection of the most random shit that I honestly am mad that they get away with doing. Oh! Like, especially the Flash. Can we talk about I was just like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, this is some <laughs> white kid shit. Like, like, half of these things they would get arrested for if they weren't, like, white and rich. Like, I... <laughs> Like, they're, like, I feel like half of these count as, like, vandalism and loitering and breaking in. Like, they're just, like, I, I mean, dressing up as Mario at the go-kart track. Like, that's fun, you know? But a lot of the stuff is just, like, jumping off a building in a funny hat. Like, that's very much the energy. And it feels like when I was a camp counselor and we'd make up, like, a scavenger hunt or something, it feels like that on steroids. And I think that's kind of what it's supposed to be. Oh my god, have you seen Garden? Wait, you have seen Garden State, didn't we do it on the Oh podcast? yeah, yeah, of course. Remember when Natalie Portman like does the thing where she like stands in a part of a room and then she like makes a weird noise and then she's like, I just did something completely original that no one has ever done before in this spot. Like that's all what all their shit feels yeah, like. Yeah, and they're not even as cool as her character. <laughs> like her character... <laughs> Like, her character is annoying when you rewatch it, but you're at least, like, she seems like she's at least read a few books that are we could talk about, like, you know? Yeah. Like, we could at least, like, I would listen to one of her Spotify playlists if she sent it to me, whereas these characters, it's, like, the worst of both worlds because they're obsessed with being unique, but they don't seem to have, and and by these characters, I mean specifically Leonel. They're obsessed with like, we're so weird, but also they don't talk to anybody except each other. And they don't really talk about anything actually ever. 
Like, they're the least creative people that are obsessed with, like, how weird they are. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's because, like, it's, they are, and maybe I'm just looking too, like, deeply into it, but, like, they are always in motion. They are always doing stuff. They are never alone. So it's, like, it's hard for me, like, it's it would be hard for anyone to cultivate their own personality if they don't spend any time sitting quietly by themselves yeah yeah absolutely it's it yeah god (laughs) I completely that I think that's such a good a good assessment like truly so much of this movie is like Noah getting jealous because Marco has a job and is nearby and then like Elle getting stressed because she has to babysit her brother but also she's supposed to like dress up like a clown and like buy a comic book with Lee or whatever the fuck they're doing. <laughs> like that's literally what the the stress is. And then like her dad will be like, Oh, I'm going on a date with Linda. And then Elle's like that fucking bitch. <laughs> it's like, okay. And then like Chloe's there and she's being all like hot and cool. And like Elle brings up being jealous of her again, even though Chloe has literally never done anything to anyone. She's just like, cool. I don't know why she's hanging out with these losers. Like, I guess this movie brings out my bully instincts. Like, I want to bully these kids. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's still also just like, I watched this one with Zora and Zora like kept on being like, I'm sorry, but Chloe and Noah want to fuck each other. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for fuck the text of the movie. And it's just like, (laughs) I was like, well, you know, like based on the plot, like no, but it's also just like, it's like they still weren't able to figure out how to get these two people to look at each other in a way that didn't make it seem like they wanted to fuck. It's just like impossible. Well, honestly, that did make me wonder. I was like, did they fuck in real life? (laughs) You know, like. I always, uh, I always go there. I always go there. I'm always like, did the actors fuck? Because actors are fucking. We all know that. Yeah. I mean, I would believe that because it's just I mean, like, they're hot. And it, like, they're young. Why wouldn't they? <laughs> and they're like also the only characters that seem like completely comfortable in a way that like the other performances don't. Like they can casually be in a scene together in a way that like like Elle and Elle and Lee it's so hard to see them as best friends because I never see them relax together meanwhile this person that Noah like just met like it looks like somebody that like if he got sick she would just like put a blanket around him and give him some soup like that's crazy oh yeah like that's the only thing that really makes Chloe and Noah's friendship make sense to me is that they really do seem like they could just sit in a room and not need to make conversation they can just vibe it's fine. Whereas Lee and Elle really bring out each other's anxiety. Like, I feel like they're always kind of feeding off each other's anxiety. And maybe that's part of what their best friendship is, is they're like, I'm anxious. Okay, let's make rules about how to be friends. I'm anxious. Okay, let's make a bunch of stuff we have to do that stresses us out. And then we fight over. (laughs) Like, when she when she leaves that when Noah's like trying to apologize to her, like the romantic date with this giant setup, and she has to leave to go do a flash mob, I'm just like, what? Yeah, I mean, I was like, you know, <laughs> I'm I'm gonna say a horrible thing. <laughs> like, why is there all this gun violence and this flash mob is still happening? Why don't they have any fear? You know, like I just I. 
I don't know. I like want to support joy in all forms, but this movie really brings out the hater in me. I can't. I can't. Like their fucking flash mob just made me want to scream. <laughs> I was, uh, yeah, I was so upset. And also like Lee meets a guy that he's going to, that's also going to Berkeley and they become friends and Elle feels weird about that. And then and just poor Marco just twisting in the wind, just like basically just being like, can you give me a chance? Like It's like, the last summer before, like, we all have to make a bunch of choices. Could you at least play around with me a little bit? And it's just like, she's just like, no, my life has been set in stone since I was born. I'm supposed to be part of this family specifically. You are an interloper. God. <laughs> God. Just, I, and like, and then, you know what's funniest to me about this movie? And it kind of makes me think of the second one and how the second one has a bunch of montages that somehow make it longer. Like, you're just like, mm. how do you have montages and you're inefficient? This movie kind of has a similar thing going with the pacing where you have almost two hours of movie and then there's still like a 10 minute epilogue at the end to tie everything up. I'm like, really? You couldn't tie it up in an hour and 40 minutes? You had to add another 10 minutes to tie it up? So, okay. So Elle and Noah do break up, which like, yes. I couldn't care less. <laughs> but, you know, that's a pretty big deal in in the world of the movie. And Rachel and Lee break up. Rachel basically ends things because Lee is being, he's being the way that he is, right? You know, he made a bunch of rules with Elle about their friendship. And then with Rachel, he starts to try to schedule all of their hangs ahead because they're going to live across the country. And so he's just like, okay, like this holiday, we'll hang out all this. And Rachel's starting to get stressed because she's like, oh, wow. Okay. You're really like scheduling all of my free time in the future. And she's like, I love you, but you know, we're going off to college and maybe we just need to call it. And then if we find our way back to each other in the future, that's great. And of course he's yeah, because she's because she's going to Providence. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, that's far. Uh, yeah, that's so far. Like whenever like, th like the long distance relationship thing pops up in movies like this, I'm just like, but you're going to want to have sex at some point. Yeah. So what are you going to do? You're going to get on a plane? Are you? <laughs> and I feel like that's kind of what Rachel like, I feel like Rachel was kind of like, we're gonna want to fuck like we're gonna want to flirt. We're this is gonna be a lot. We're pretty young. She's, she feels more, I think her character, even though we joked about how like she is older in real life, her character feels the most like her age to me because the other characters either feel like too immature or like, just like there's Marco who you're just like, there's a man in his thirties hanging out. <laughs> yeah. Like Rachel's character feels like somebody who's 18, who's trying to figure out, okay, what am I doing? Like, she's smart and she knows it's not realistic to stay together, but she wants to, you know, because she likes him. I, <laughs> and so, like, everybody breaks up at the end, but then the movie does, like, this epilogue where you can see, like, are they going to end up back together? And, like, of course, Elle ends up being a video game designer, which, like, that's cool. That does make sense because she's so obsessed with DDR, although DDR is very different than a lot of video games. So I had a, I had a question about, like, what kinds of games... <laughs> <laughs> well i don't know because she also like remember she has this video game podcast so like I, I guess we're supposed to assume that she plays a bunch of different games and we just don't see it ah so, okay okay i mean yeah i mean she and so yeah she goes to usc which yeah she has usc energy definitely uh <laughs> 
and she cuts her hair which is like looks really nice on her looks more like you know it just works better on her yes but I think also she was wearing a wig through this movie too so I think after the time jump like that's her actual hair yeah <laughs> that's what I think that that makes sense yeah she and and like I don't know did you care about the epilogue I'm sorry listeners I'm not trying to like be an no, asshole I, just, I, I, I <laughs> No, I really, I really didn't care. I also just felt like, okay, so it was a six-year epilogue college, so I guess it was like, I mean, college doesn't always last four years for everybody, so maybe, you know, I I guess it would probably have taken longer for Noah, so maybe they wanted to do it, like, after, because, like, I assume law degrees take a longer amount of time. They wanted him to be in the workforce by the time the time jump was, which is why, I guess, four years wouldn't have worked, but, like, so it's, like, six years and like Lee is back with Rachel because he's never really shown interest in any other women aside from Elle, Rachel, and his mother. So I just don't really see how that would change. And then like Noah is like working in New York. And he's a lawyer. He's a lawyer. Which I was like, actually, that makes sense because he's kind of an asshole who doesn't know who he is. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like if you're he rich really, enough really and you're an asshole and you make it into Harvard, you just become a lawyer. Yeah. And then they they meet and it's like one of those things where it's like, and then, like, the ending, which is supposed to be really poetic because it's, like, I guess she got Noah's motorbike when he left, and now he has one. And so then they're both riding their motorcycles together down, like, this road. And, like, I guess what's missing for me is growth. Is what? They just grow. Yes. Yeah, because, like, the ending <laughs> where we see Lee drive away, and then he looks back, and he's, like, looking back at all these versions of Elle, you know? Her as a young child, mm. her as a medium child, like, basically all the ages they knew each other. I, obviously, it's very obvious what that is trying to do, and, you know, this movie is really, I mean, this series, if you're gonna narrow it down to one relationship, Elle and Lee's relationship is the focal point. Of course, all the romantic relationships are a big part of it, but this is the relationship that is the most constant, right? And so yeah. that moment, as as you know, cheesy as it is, like it would be sweet if we actually saw them grow. But what it feels like to me is that their characters are just put in new situations, but they don't grow. And there's a difference. There's a difference between being the exact same with no like evolution in a new city and with more money and older and that's what it feels like for me like they're just comfortable enough they don't really have to grow to succeed whereas a lot of people most people if you want to make anything in your life happen and you're not born into a lot of wealth and access you have to grow a lot and also nothing's guaranteed then (laughs) so I think that's part of what makes watching this these movies so annoying is that like it's not that I can't care about, you know, Lee as like a, a rich kid, you know, whatever. It's that I don't see him have to really try or grow ever as a person. Like he could fall into money in a career, but have a lot of emotional stuff going on. And I find that interesting, but we just don't see any of that because the movies are too nice to them. Man, I kind of wish that the third movie had just been like them in college and like having in them 
you know, having to understand that the world is bigger than them. Yeah. Like, that would have been, wouldn't, wouldn't that have been nice? Oh my God, Jordan, that would have been so much more interesting. And just think about the characters we would have met. I'm sure there would have been side characters that I would have been more interested in than the main characters who would have like called them out or maybe had tussles with them. Or even if they didn't have tussles, became friends and just had different perspectives and experiences. Like that would be great. And there's so much build up to college in the second movie, it would have also made a lot of sense. But I think that would have required, I guess, just an arc beyond what was planned. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, exactly. I, don't, I don't think Kissing Booth was going to be a trilogy. I think they just kept making more movies. Yeah, I, yeah, it doesn't really seem planned at all. It's like, and, and Marco being the the biggest example of that, because if it was planned, Marco either would have been more prominent in the movies or not been in the movies at all. Yeah, I mean, you know, I wanted there to be, like, a really sleazy, fun plot where, like, Marco is just, like, dating tons of hot babes because he's, like, a hot lifeguard. And then, like, Noah's jealous of him because Noah doesn't know if he's ready to settle down and he's, like, projecting. Like, I was like, there's so many things that could have happened with Marco. Or we could have seen him play music more and like, cause he was playing music in the second movie. Like maybe he was in a band and Elle wanted to go to his shows and you know, like, there's so many things that could have happened there. And instead he's just there and he's like really nice to Elle and it's clear he still has a crush on her. And it's just weird that Marco is introduced as this ladies man that everyone's obsessed with. And we never see a woman hit on him again after Elle has become his friend. <laughs> it's like, oh, now he's actually completely off limits. Like no one is hitting on him. He's not attracted to anyone else. Come on. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the what that's the what pad in it. We got to put a bunch of options for the girl, but they're just for the girl. The options can't exist outside of the girl. Yeah. And you know, like, if there was a little more character development, I'd be here for it because Lord knows there's tons of these movies where a, a male character is in Elle's position, right? But I I don't like them because I like movies with people. <laughs> like actual people, actual characters. So Yeah. Man, I'm I'm so glad to be done with this. <laughs> I know. I was like, what trilogy do we recommend? I I would say the before before sunset trilogy if you want to see like good love trilogy yeah i only ride for the second movie but yeah like i like uh, the second movie is such a banger <laughs> it's so good and like the first movie like i think does a lot of things well that these movies try to do in just capturing a certain moment of young kind of fantastic fantastical love like that kind of summer love that I think this movie could have tried to capture yeah yeah so you know if you're gonna watch a, a trilogy then I would say go for that and of course if you're listening we love you and thank you and we would love it if you joined our patreon where we have tons of delicious bonus episodes we have finished the OC so we have episodes about the OC we have How I Met Your Mother. We have In the Smut, which is our erotic thrillers. Zora and Jordan do Young Adult Swim, which is young adult movies. And just all sorts of goodies there. And we'll be continuing to make goodies for you. Make goodies for you. I don't know. That sounds both sexual and like drugs. And, you know, whichever you want it to be. I'm Bronwyn Isaac. I'm Jordan Searles. Bye. Bye. Let's dump this drug. Oh, yeah.
Yeah, back it up, back it up. Uh-uh, yeah, let's go. Through. 